0: to the Life in the Fasting Lane podcast. We are here to educate you, challenge you, encourage you, and support you along your journey with intermittent fasting and low-carb eating and keto. Honestly, whatever way you have found to make yourself healthier and hotter. You can check us out at FastingLane.com and on Twitter and Instagram at Fasting Lane. Today, I've invited one of my favorite guests back, and she was crazy enough to say yes. I think we hooked up about a year ago. Um, Our guest this week is Amy Berger. Amy has a master's degree in human nutrition. She is a certified nutrition specialist, a designation that requires a master's degree, passing a board exam, and accumulating a 1,000 hours of supervised clinical practice and other professional nutrition network. What we're basically saying is, Amy is much more educated than I am, and that's why we're talking to her today. Um, She has been following a low-carb lifestyle for more than 16 years, and is the author of the book, The Alzheimer's Antidote, using a low-carb, high-fat diet to fight Alzheimer's disease, memory loss, and cognitive decline. She is one of my favorite bloggers, and I also like her on Twitter, at Nutrition and she is pretty active on social media, which is one of the places I first started following her and then got to meet her in person. Welcome, Amy. How's it going? Thank you. It's going well. I hope I live up to that amazing introduction. My gosh. <laughs> I like to build people up so they can just like, everyone can know, our listeners can know the greatness that sits before them. So it's it's really cool to catch up with you and, and talk to you again. Um, we spoke last year. I enjoyed it so much. And what impressed me was I I could understand a lot of the things that you were saying. And so I figure other people can too, because I need things to kind of be simplified. Um, And then recently I know that you and I were talking again because you had put out a really cool blog post about keto and just really some down to earth facts. So what I'm hoping today, Amy, is I, I didn't send you any questions. I just thought we would hang out. And what I'd like to find out is what have you been up to this past year and why do you keep coming back with really simplified um, messages for people?
1: Um, well, what have I been up to? I have, I think last time I was on your show, we talked more about Alzheimer's disease. And um, so I do have that book out, but I have this um New book. It's called The Stall Slayer, and it's about breaking fat loss stalls on a low-carb or ketogenic diet. And people can find that at stallslayer.com or it is on Amazon. So I was uh, working on that, and I have um, another book. This is going to make me sound way more productive and hardworking than I am, because in between bouts of working on books, I just—I'm a professional procrastinator. I just nice. waste time. I just stare at the wall for hours at a time. Okay, that so- makes me feel better. Yeah. Don't like people listening and watching. Don't be fooled. They can go. She's writing all these books. No. <laughs> if I really worked hard, I've had like five books out by now. Um, so I actually, I'm collaborating with Dr. Eric Westman on another book called End Your Carb Confusion. And that will be out in December. It's uh, It's available for pre-order, End Your Carb Confusion. And that's, we might get into that a little because it has to do with keeping it all really simple and
0: Yes, I want to talk about all that. And
1: the overwhelm that's out there.
0: Yeah, when I met you in person, it was because I saw you speaking about Alzheimer's, which I think a lot of people associate you with, because I think you, you probably bring a lot more knowledge to the table specifically to that area. But what I've seen your writing be about more lately is the most common question you hear, which is, how do I break a all? How do I break this all? What do I do? So is—is is, I want to hear about that book. I want to hear about your book coming up. Um and, and really I want people to be able to walk away if they're frustrated. You know, I don't I don't know what happened to you. It sounds like like you said, you, you sound very productive. Um when COVID started for me, I lost my mind. Like I ate everything, I gave up on my physical appearance, I cut all my hair off, I started wearing T shirts, which has really not ended and just like adopted that lifestyle uh yeah, so at first I couldn't fast, I, I ate carbs, I ate sugar, I ate things that made me feel like crud. And then after a little bit, I got my stuff together and, and learned, like I think we're all doing a new way to live right now. Um, and so I would love for you to give simple advice, simple things that people could take one step from wherever their journey is right now. I think most people are struggling in one way or another um maybe they feel isolated maybe they've lost their job maybe they have less money maybe they're sick maybe they're stressed whatever it is right now i'm hoping today and i think you have a unique way of doing this is from your book about stalls how could they take one step what what would be a couple of options for people okay well i i'll get into that
1: in a sec first i want to say thank you for your honesty I think you are certainly not alone. I mean, there's a, the world is completely flipped over right now. And I'm in kind of a unique situation. Even before the virus, I already work from home and I have no kids. So my, my routine is almost the same, except that there's a lot less socialization, which I'm a huge introvert. I don't need a whole lot of socialization anyway, although I will say, even, even as strong an introvert as I am, I do need some human interaction. And the fact now that I've had so much less, I do think that's affecting me. But, um, does yeah, it not I,
0: make I, you crazier? Cause it, it makes me crazier. I've stepped up my, uh, mental health and my therapy. Um, I'm a very social person. I'm, I feel very lonely. Uh, my husband is an introvert, and, and so I think it affects him, but, you know, not nearly as much, and I respect yeah. a, a lot of people who are okay with it, but um, yeah. it's interesting to hear you say, like, even though you're an introvert, you need some, and it's kind of a struggle.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't just be alone in my apartment, like my one bedroom, little apartment all day, every day, yeah. so um, it, it's been hard in that respect, but... I, I've heard from doctors too, where or, or my my co-author, Dr. Westman, mentioned that with with his patients in this situation, so and, and he's a keto-friendly doctor, of course, he basically prescribes ketogenic diets for people. Yeah, some patients are doing much better and some are doing worse. And it's because if you, you know. You, you can't go out to eat all the time. I mean, restaurants are starting to open now, but for the past several months, you couldn't go anywhere. So people were cooking more at home, doing more of their own food and they were doing better. And then there's other people who maybe don't have a lot of cooking skills and they're doing worse because at least if they went to a restaurant four or five nights a week, they could order a steak and broccoli or a piece of fish and asparagus or something, but they don't know how to make that at home. So it's like just depending on your level, I guess, of, of kitchen knowledge, people are either doing really well or they're doing worse. But I think, I think I'm so glad that for your honesty, because there's a lot of people having trouble with their diet right now. And it's like, if ever there was a time to give yourself some leeway, like, it's now. It's not like there's no reason why it's hard or people are having trouble. Like it's a really hard situation right now. Um, so with, with regard to like one action that people can take, I'm, I'm a realist, I'm down to earth not everyone needs super strict keto. So if you can just kind of go low-ish carb, or even if you're eating more carbs than you were before, just don't go crazy. Kind of keep a lid on it somehow. Have some modicum of carbohydrate restriction, and at least then you won't get yourself back to square one. You won't regain the 100 pounds you lost or the 50, whatever it was. Um, you, know, you can kind of manage as best you can. I wouldn't try to... I wouldn't try to be really strict and don't be hard on yourself. Just kind of stick to the basic principles and, and just know this is temporary. It's long-term, but that's long-term is different than permanent. You know, this is going to hopefully come to an end at some point and things will change. So in the meantime, I just do the best you can. And if, if the best you can is 50 grams of carbs a day or 80 or hundred, you're probably still better off than the 200 grams you were eating before you ever started eating this way, you know, or if you normally fast once a week, 24 hours, people have so many different fasting routines. If you can just go a few hours, like having a time restricted eating, maybe it just do what you were doing before, but don't be so hard on yourself. If you're only getting 80% of the way instead of hundred percent all the time.
0: Well, one of the things for sure, almost all of us are under increased stress. And um, I really love to eat when I'm stressed. Like that sounds like the best thing I could ever do. <laughs> it's not productive, uh, but it sounds like a great idea. And so one of the things I found that I felt so angry about not being able to see friends or go to an office or have social interaction or go to the store, I, I thought that was the best choice for me not to do those things. Um, and-, and so I kind of felt like I was missing excitement in my life. Um, And one of the things I did is I started looking to things I didn't typically eat for excitement, sugary things. Uh, And I think I saw it a lot when I would see people on social media or shopping, you know, outside, I'd I'd see them with their carts, they have a lot of sugar and and have a lot of things that I think they were trying to comfort themselves with, uh, Mm -hmm. or bring excitement to their lives. And I like to be clear, I did the same thing at the beginning. Um, But then I just I started gaining weight, and I, I felt so bad. And I, I'd been down that road before that I was able. And it took me about a month, honestly, to to get it together. Right. Um, so, what would you say to people, and what can they learn if if they're at a stall or if they're at a a point right now where they're trying to do things besides get excitement from eating?
1: Well, um, that's so that depends. I mean, my advice to someone who is stuck in a stall is different. Like if they're, if they're sticking faithfully to the, to whatever diet they're normally do. I mean, I, I specialize in low carb and keto. So if somebody's doing that, then the advice is different compared to someone who is kind of not so much on the diet anymore because of the stress and everything. So if somebody's not even doing it anymore, my first advice is to get back to doing it. And I, I think a way to ease, there's two schools of thought. Like, there's the rip the bandaid off all at once school. Just do it. Get the stuff out of your life. Get it out of your diet because then within one or two days the hunger will be controlled, the sugar cravings will be gone. But you have to be really strict for those first one or two or three days. Um, the other method is, I, you know, everyone is so concerned about well, how many grams of this and how many portions of this and how many hours should I go. If you're having trouble just getting back on plan, I would say, eat as much as you want, whenever you want, as long as the food choices are appropriate. Like if you, if that means you're eating a whole stick of pepperoni, well, better a whole stick of pepperoni than four donuts, you know, um, or just quote unquote overeating eat a big honking steak or a big honkin' pork chop and some broccoli or something. And if that means you're having three meals a day and snacks and whatever, I wouldn't worry about that so much at the beginning. Get get used to this kind of food again. And then once you're kind of accustomed to the fat burning again and the carbs are out of your system, then maybe tinker with the timing and the portions. But I would-
0: Yeah, that's, that's what I do. The only yeah. way I can get back on track Uh, for me with any kind of intermittent fasting is to first allow myself to eat low carb as much as I want. And honestly, is that really a true statement? I think I actually always eat as much as I want. I've always eaten as much as I wanted for the past year. Um, It's it's, it's hard to think how much I've changed. I've been doing this for almost three years now, low carb combined with intermittent fasting. And I need both for me. they, They work in partnership. They work well together. I have found that since COVID started, fasting for uh 36 hours it's not gonna happen my stress level is
1: too high if if you're kind of still riding that blood sugar roller coaster you're gonna have the cravings it's gonna be really hard i think it makes perfect sense let your body adjust and then reintroduce the fasting Um,
0: so one thing i've you know always try to do is like i gained a little bit of weight at the beginning of covid then i lost a little bit and and like now i've just been straight up maintaining it and i i i do like Stare in wonderment at people who, like COVID started, they've lost sixty pounds. They've done amazing things. They've done. But I think this is just my feeling. I'd love to get your opinion. I, I'm not as skilled as they are. Uh, this is a time of a lot of stress and um, worry. And for me, if I walk out of this having stayed within five, ten pounds of where I started, I'm a freaking hero. And I think that that most people might adopt that because like you said this pandemic is not forever it sucks right now um but it it will uh have a resolution of some type at some point and and maybe like do you agree with this that it's okay to do your best right now but recognize that this is a different situation that that might end and um maybe not so much pressure i want to balance it because i don't want to say like you should eat whatever you want because then you feel really bad but like um just not trying to walk out of here having lost 40 pounds during your stay at home period uh that can work for some people but it doesn't work for me what what do you what do you think about those things i
1: i agree completely but it's kind of like i i like to be very gentle with people and i think I, i agree with you if you can come out of this or they say the same thing about the holiday time at the end of the year You might not lose weight, but if you just maintain, that's a win. That's a huge win is to not gain weight during a period like that or a period like this. Um, I do think that's a perfectly good goal is to just kind of stay where you are. And the the other school of thought, though, is like, it's just an excuse. Like, there's no reason, there's still low carb food available. Like, thank God, we don't really have any, at least where I live, there's not really any food shortages anymore. Food is available. You can work out for free on your living room floor. Like There's no excuse. But that's not my my style is to be much more like, it's okay. Do the best you can.
0: Um,
1: And and it's very possible that the people that are doing really well, their coping mechanism is exercise or sticking to a very precise regimen. Like that form of discipline, for lack of a better word, is their coping strategy. Um, it helps them to have this rigidity as opposed to just letting anything happen. So I, I just don't, it's not the worst, you know, I don't know. None of us became really, really sick and really morbidly obese over the course of six or seven months.
0: So if that's, you
1: know, that's about how long we're into this now. Um, And even if it lasts a little bit longer, if things are a little bit wonky, okay, when it stops being wonky, we're all going to kind of get back on track. These things like type two diabetes and hypertension and all this stuff, PCOS, they develop over the course of years. They don't happen overnight. They don't happen over six months. I mean, if you really try, you could probably get yourself that sick in six months, but you know. So if if things are a little bit weird right now, and and I would hazard to guess that for most people, especially like, I think we, and we, I mean, in the sort of low-carb keto fasting community, tend to hold ourselves to very high standards. And so compared to the standard we have for ourselves, we're falling really short, but compared to the average person that doesn't even care what they eat, or compared to maybe how we ourselves ate a year ago, five years ago, we're doing really well. So like, I really, I would imagine that most people are probably doing better than they think they are. Are they eating more carbs and more junk than they normally would? than they're proud of? Yeah. But are they eating 300 gram? Are they waking up and having the orange juice and the pancakes and the cereal and the, and the muffin and then snacking on granola and then for lunch, having a sandwich and chips and public? like. No, it's it's probably just that we are falling short of our own standards. That would be yeah. my guess.
0: So let's talk about stalls because your book. Tell us the name of your book again about.
1: It's that. called the Stall Slayer. But I I don't want to forget you. I thought <laughs> I wrote a blog post not that long ago that you were like, oh my god, I love this. I thought we were going to talk about that, but we can yeah, talk. Yeah, really we should later. talk about that
0: too. But I love books and I want people to buy your book, so I want to talk about that first, right? So you should buy everybody. You should buy the Stall Slayer first of all by Amy Berger. Um, why do we have stalls? Like, I've always, like, wanted to ask this question. Is it actually bull crap? Like, do we just make that up? Do we just, like, eat extra for a while and it's not really, like, the body stalling out? Like, we're just lying to ourselves and eating more sugar-free chocolate because I do that and then I want to call it a stall? Like, or is there really some scientific thing that even if I do close to perfect, my body's going to stall?
1: That's a really good question, and I think it's both. I think there's two chapters. I mean, the the top two, and and you were saying, you know, what have I been doing all these months, and like, I keep things simple. I wrote this book because this is the number one reason people contact me for help. Why am I not losing weight? Why is it not working? And instead of writing the same email reply 100 times, I could just be like, all the information you could possibly want is right here. And it's like a skinny little book. You could read it in half a day. I I do think that the most common culprits for like a a stop or a stall in weight loss is people have just become complacent about their diet. They're just not aware of how far they've kind of strayed from what was working at the beginning. And it's either too many carbs or too much fat. They're both, you know, fat is not unlimited. Just because it's a keto diet doesn't mean you can just eat all the fat you want and think you're going to lose weight. Um, But I think there are, there's hormonal reasons why things can slow down to a crawl. And there's also, you know, I I just did a video on this recently. Let's say you are 200 pounds overweight and you have type two diabetes and you hypertension and all these things going on and you're doing whatever diet, strict keto, fasting, whatever it is, and you get pretty far like, wow, oh my gosh, that was so effective. It worked so well. Now it's not working anymore. It's not that that's a bad diet. It's just you literally right now, you've lost 200 pounds, you've reversed the diabetes, everything's gone. You're literally not the same physical metabolic person you were. So why would you think that the diet that worked for someone that was 200 pounds heavier and had diabetes, that same diet, it might not be the most effective to get you those last 10 pounds or the last 15 pounds. So I think that's, Sometimes you just need to change something about the diet. Like you, you are sticking to the diet, but that diet's not working for you anymore.
0: Yeah, I get it. That makes sense. So let, okay, let's talk about your blog post. You wrote a blog post recently about keto and I thought it was really good and and had some things that I hadn't thought about for a while or was like put in a really simple way. Well, you know, keto has been around for a while. We've been talking about it. Like what made you do that? Were those typical questions that people ask over and over?
1: Yeah. So the blog post is called something like 14 ways to tell if keto is working for you besides weight loss, Mm. because so many people do keto for weight loss. And I think at this point, it's probably best known for weight loss, but there's like a thousand other things that get better when you do keto, whether or not you have any weight to lose, you know, people that are at a perfectly, I hate the phrase normal weight, but we'll use it if you're at a normal weight or you're not overweight, you can still do keto for all kinds of other health problems. Keto doesn't have to automatically be a weight loss diet. So I'll get someone writing to me like, well, my heartburn is gone. My migraines are gone. My skin is better, but why isn't keto working for me? And I'm like, did you, do you hear yourself? Did you read your, do you see what you sent me? Like, you're this diet is not working. Why? Because you're not losing weight, but you just said your heartburn's gone, your migraines are gone. Like it is working for you. The weight is just going to be slower. Yeah. So, um, that was 14 and there was a bonus 15, like just other things that you can look for to tell that keto is doing something good for you, even if your weight is not changing.
0: So my daughter is almost 14 and, and she's worked with my co-author from my book, uh, Megan Ramos. And, um, Megan's pretty brilliant. And, and Luna, my daughter has struggled with her health her entire life. Um, and she has been doing low carb, mostly protein, vegetables and fruit, uh, healthy fats for the past two months. And most of her health issues have just disappeared. Health and mental issues just disappeared after a lifetime of medications and doctors and everything. She also dropped 10 pounds. She was not overweight. She's, she's, five foot nine and, and skinny and, you know, beautiful and amazing. And um, you'd but,
1: hate her if she wasn't your child.
0: Uh, probably, but I'm so in love with her. I don't know what to do. So it's sad. Um, but yeah, probably. Yeah. She's she's just amazing. And the first two weeks that she did carnivore, because we needed to like eliminate everything and then add things back into tests, right? Mm. She dropped 10 pounds wow. and it was it was inflammation. Like you could see it in her face and in her body. She stopped using her rescue inhaler um, three days in. Like just phenomenal things. But the biggest change was in her mental health. Her her less anxiety, less depression, just more smiling, waking up early, which is fantastic in a teenager, right? But it's interesting, right? So she that happened the first week, the first week and a half, ten pounds. Yeah. And since then, nothing. Since then, like as far as weight loss, nothing. Which is great because she actually has no desire like the purpose was not to lose weight purpose was to to not be sick and it's very interesting because she is very healthy now and and staying at the same weight which is, is great on her you know but the inflammation is gone so it's really interesting
1: yeah it's it's you know you said about the face when you look at people's before and after pictures even if you only looked at people from the neck up people's faces are smaller. They're less red. They're less puffy. Like it's a very noticeable change in the face. Yeah. And sometimes you can see that even before you see it in the rest of the body. Like I see in people's picture, like, especially if they're really, really heavy and you, maybe they've lost 20 or 30 pounds, but you, you don't even notice it in their body, but their face, the difference is amazing.
0: Yeah. So tell us one or two more out of those. Uh, first of all, where can people find your blog to, to read your bonus tip and your 14 tips on T-O? Oh, Tito? thank you. It's uh, it's at my website,
1: tuitnutrition.com, T U. I always say, I have to spell it because people, yeah. people would say it's T-O-T-U-I-T, nutrition.com. Perfect. Um, and I think that's the first post that's up there right now because I haven't written anything yet since then. Um, but yeah, there's, there's so many. I mean- I'll skip the blood sugar control because, like, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know that keto is good for type 2 diabetes, I can't help you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, I mean, so things that people might not expect uh, acid reflux, everybody thinks, oh, it's the coffee, it's the spicy food, it's the acidic foods. Then how come most people who do low-carb or keto, the heartburn is gone within days, even if they're still drinking coffee, they're still using tomato sauce, they're still eating chili peppers. It's not the spicy food. I'm not saying that that never aggravates it ever, but isn't it amazing how heartburn is one of the things you can practically set your watch by It's going to be gone in a week.
0: Interesting. I, um, the only time I get heartburn now is when I drink. I don't, it's not heartburn. I drink too many Topo Chico's, fizzy water. Oh. I drink them late at night. And I'm like, oh, I have heartburn. I've never had heartburn since, you know, for the past couple of years. It's not, it's the carbonation. Right. I'm trying to kick that habit. It's my really bad habit lately. Um,
1: other thing, I mean, there's so many that I, headaches. I mean, my, I would say migraines, except for some, some people with migraines, just doing sort of garden variety out of the box, keto makes them disappear. Some people have to go a little further. They have to really, really be careful about sodium and magnesium. It's really important for people with migraines to have massive amounts of those electrolytes. Um, And they, they just have to be a little more careful. But, you know, I've never had a migraine. I can't even imagine. Like, when I get a, a regular headache, it's bad enough. So, I can't imagine this like attack that some people can have a migraine that lasts for two days.
0: No, I can't. You know, and they can't get
1: out of bed. They can't have the lights on. So, if somebody's living with that, oh my goodness, give keto a try.
0: Yeah, before I went low carb, um, I had headaches, I'd say every other day, not migraines. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm fortunate to, to not struggle with that. And now I would say I get a headache. Probably once every other month. I'd probably say that's his grammar. So it's a yeah. huge change. Like it's yeah. a huge change. All yeah. right. What is the book that's coming out later this year with you and Dr. Westman?
1: It's called End Your Carb Confusion. And it's very much like like Dr. Westman and I are on the same page in terms of how on earth did this way of eating become so complicated and expensive and confusing? So this is like the keto for dummies, but it's, it it has the science, but it's all said in plain English. It's explained very clearly. And I think one of the unique things, or, or we hope it's unique about our book is it's, it's a keto book, but it also, there's this checklist that you go through the list and depending on your answers, it points you toward a carbohydrate level to start with. I love so it. the fact is, take a look around America, take a look around Canada. Most people are probably going to need to start with the strict keto, you know, because if you are obese, if you do have diabetes, PCOS, migraines, gout, hyper, whatever, most people, they're going to fall on that very low carb keto. But there's, there will be some people that can start higher. And then we also walk you through how to increase your carbs if and when it's appropriate. Cause not everybody needs, like we were saying before, Strict keto might have been dynamite for you. It might have worked like crazy for a year or two or three. And now all of a sudden, it's like not giving you what it used to give you. Maybe you need a little change and, and like, don't let the keto gods hear me. They'll smite me down. But sometimes that change is a little more carbohydrate.
0: You know, so, honestly, um, my husband experiences that. He can, like, go have, I know this is once again, people will be mad a Wendy's cheeseburger once a week. And like, it seems like the rest of the week he's low carb and like a day or two later, his weight levels off and he feels better. And the rest of the time he eats low carb and feels great. Um, and I can eat that and probably gain three pounds. Like it, we, our bodies are not the same. Like we have to figure out what's right for us. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. But I think it's,
1: um, we're trying to bridge the gap a little bit in terms of, you know, keto is so powerful and so therapeutic for so many things, but other ways also work. And we don't want to have like the completely closed echo chamber. Sure. And, um, you know, it, uh, We're, we're tr- I, I hope that what we did was explain, here's how keto works. And here's why the people yeah. with these situations really would do best doing this. And then if you're if you don't have these things, then you don't need keto. Now we don't recommend we don't recommend like 300 grams of carbs a day for anybody. But you know 100 grams, 150. If you're really athletic and lean and fit, no, I'm not. That's not that <laughs> much. For someone that's burning 2,000 calories a day on a bike or on a run, you know? Yeah,
0: I have a friend like that who bikes like three hours a day, and he can eat stuff, and he's super fit. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, you know what? I have just learned from this person that. I've always thought I would do what I needed to do to be fit and healthy. And then I learned, no, three hours a day is, is too much. I would not, I'm not, I'm not that good.
1: I'm I not willing.
0: Really. I can't do it. But dang, he looks great. So, you know, what can I say? Well, yeah, Amy, thank you so much for being on the show again. Um, people can check you out at tuitnutrition.com. T-U-I-T-U-I-T nutrition.com. And
1: tuitnutrition Nutrition is my handle everywhere. That's me on Twitter, Instagram, um, YouTube. My channel name is tuitnutrition. And uh, I, I, I do almost nothing on Facebook, so don't even bother looking for me there.
0: <laughs> okay, perfect. Don't go on Facebook, people. Don't don't look for Amy. All right, guys. Thanks so much for being with us at the Life of the F- Fasting Lane podcast. You get more tips on fasting, keto, and low-carb at fastinglane.com. In fact, I think we even put Amy's blog up there because it was so dang good. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Fasting Lane. Until next time, to your health and high.